Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cloud Wars Live, where we explore today's digital revolution by speaking with the business executives and thought leaders who are changing how the world lives, works, plays, learns, and dreams. Our guest today is Dean Del Vecchio, Executive Vice President, Chief of Operations, and Chief Information Officer at Guardian Life Insurance Company of America. Dean, thanks for joining us, and welcome to Cloud Wars Live. Well, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Thanks. So, Dean, it's it's so interesting these days when you know the the term digital transformation, even though it's a bit of a overused cliche, the concept is so powerful. And here you've got a company almost 160 years old. Could you tell us a little bit about how a company having that great legacy and history that Guardian Life has, how that is both a benefit to you, and where do you have to overcome some of the inertia of being uh, a company that's been around for that amount of time? Sure, as you can imagine, a company being 158 plus years old comes along with a lot of technology, legacy technology, and you know what most people refer to as technical debt. So, and this was no different when I came on to Guardian about five years ago, we had quite a bit of technical debt. So I, I joke around all the time, and unfortunately it's not a joke. We have a system, you know, before we put a man on the moon in 1967, we built our first policy admin system. And I like to say, you know, the good news is it's still running and, you know, the bad news is it's still running. So, you know, we have, you know, so we have to try to, you know, think about when you think about doing a digital transformation and you have systems that were built, again, in 1967, we have a lot of our policies and a lot of our, you know, policy admin system, monolithic systems are still running and still need to run the service, the existing business as we make this transformation at the same time, going into kind of this digital transformation and this consumer facing uh, customer experience that everybody's looking to, you know, to provide this exceptional and, and delightful customer experience. It's a challenge to do that when you're trying to operate, you know, a legacy platform, transfer to the cloud, and put a front end on these things that uh, has to still attach to a back end that was uh, not designed for the type of transactions and experiences that people are looking for today. Dean, that is a remarkable and wide-ranging challenge. What's the philosophy that you have to bring to that to inspire the team to convince, you know, the CEO, the board, and the whole organization that this is the right way to go? We don't have a choice. Yeah, so the way I've described it, too, is like we're not competing with just our, our peer group of competitors that you would think about, other insurance companies, financial institutions. We're competing with the, an individual's last digital experience. So whether it be a purchase that they just made or another company that they just had a service experience through, we're trying to modify and modernize our platforms to provide the same type of experience you would expect for any digital transaction. So that's one of the areas that we've been focusing on say, you know, what is it that we're competing with? We're competing with customer experience is really what we're competing with. Yeah, and people today with the number of choices we've all got in our personal lives and who we can deal with, as you put it in those terms, that raises the the stakes pretty significantly. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's one of the things you don't, you don't consider when you think about a life company, you know, an insurance life company, you know, it has the stigma of being a sleepy, you know, old company. And, it, and it's, we're just the opposite. You know, one of the opportunities and one of the reasons why I came here, you know, aside from an incredible culture and a purpose-driven uh, company, I felt there was a great opportunity to help a legacy insurance company transform into the digital age. Uh, and it's been actually a great experience in the past five years. It, it didn't take a lot of convincing, uh, which I thought maybe it was going to when I first came on board, but the culture was really receptive to this transformation because, again, we're consumers of, of services ourselves. 
and we know what good experience is, and we want to make sure we can provide that same good or great experience to our policyholders and our consumers. So, Dean, with that, your experience, uh, having been in the media business, having been in you know financial services and banking, how do those from outside the insurance industry have they helped you here at Guardian Life? They absolutely have. Uh, coming from a more of a consumer-facing and high transactional systems allowed us to bring that kind of sense of urgency as well as kind of the experiences that we believe everyone deserves, whether it be you know, processing a claim, onboarding a new client, or servicing uh, just a customer with, with different and more products. We feel like that's something that's transferable, again, across industries and across uh, types of services and products. Yeah. So, Dean, you touched on a couple of things there. Could you tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, the team's priorities for the next year or two? Sure. So one of the things we've been on a path over the last two years, um, give or take two years, is migrating to the cloud. So we've made a really conservative effort to focus on our applications moving. Uh, so we've made a decision. We looked at an entire portfolio of applications in the company and said, which ones lend themselves to, to cloud today? Migrate those sooner than later. Which ones we'd have to replatform? Uh, migrate those a little bit at a later date. And we actually had a major accomplishment back in November of 18, where we literally shut down our last primary and owned and operated data center, which was a huge accomplishment. Um, and one of the things that's unique in my role is because I have multiple responsibilities, I was able to put kind of a catalyst you know, project out there that said, we're, we sold our buildings where our data center actually resided. Uh, and we had about a 25,000 square foot data center, give or take. So we had this kind of T-minus schedule out there, and, and we had some incentive to really get it done in a time frame, which I think actually helped uh, in many ways put that kind of goalpost out there and said we have to do this by a certain date because we're just no longer going to be able to operate in that environment. So we were able to migrate about 80% of the floor space, square footage that we operated in that data center, to the cloud and then to uh, a couple colos. So we, we got down from about 25,000 square feet to 2,000 and two separate colos in addition to migrating a, a big bulk of our applications to uh, AWS. So, so that was kind of the history and the backdrop. Now going forward, we still have quite a few applications that we want to continue to migrate over to the cloud. But more importantly, our areas of focus now is on how do we leverage the data analytics in a much more meaningful way to provide value for our business partners. AI and automation is an area that we have a big focus on across all of the operations. And, and as you mentioned, I also am responsible for operations for the company and customer service. So technology clearly is going to play a huge role in how we service our customers differently, whether it's the initial engagement in an education process to you know, onboarding and sell to service and delivery of uh, the products and services through the entire life cycle to our consumers. So Dean, I want to come back to that, your dual role there, uh, both in charge of operations and also as CIO. But first, let me just touch back a second on that thing of the closing of the data center, right? Because in some ways after it's done, it seems like, well, that was obvious. You know, of course they would do that. But when sure. you first suggested that within the company, what was the reaction? So a little bit of pause, uh, like I said, because we do have these legacy applications that still reside on the mainframe. So we, we, we knew, I knew myself when I first came on board that one of the things I wanted to do was shift the focus of the technology organization away from the legacy infrastructure managers managing racking and stacking and you know worrying about kind of the the core infrastructure the data center if you think about managing data centers there's a lot of time around the environmentals associated with it you know disaster recovery planning and all of those things 
I didn't see that that was going to be value add as a company that wanted to do a digital transformation and be much more customer consumer focused. I'd rather have the technology organization focusing on new product development, consumer experiences, AI and automation. How do we leverage data and analytics? So that was the, 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 the communication, the plan I had to both the, my peer executives as well as the board was I think we could provide a lot more value to the company if we were more focused on those things as opposed to kind of the traditional CIO function of managing infrastructure for the company. Yeah. So it, it wasn't, again, I, I, it really wasn't that much of a hard sell when you explain it in those terms and who would argue with, yeah, we want to provide more value. We want to help grow the business. We want to help product delivery and be faster, quicker, better uh, than our peers. Well, that is, uh, that it's a, you know, refreshing view of how the forward-looking, customer-oriented thinking about technology can make such a difference today. So, Dean, how do you extend that from your role as CIO also yep. over into Chief of Operations? How does that help you move the company to where it needs to get? Yeah, so the unique opportunity I had as well was to change the company's culture within in terms of just where we operate, how we operate. So over the last few years, we've been modernizing all of our workplaces as well. Uh, so we've been, you know, changing out. And, you know, there's a lot of discussion about open space. Is it working? Is it, is it you know, is, are people more productive, less productive? We've kind of done a hybrid approach to that. And what I mean by that is we've changed our office space and our office configurations to be much more open, as, as many companies are doing. But not, we haven't gone to the extreme, you know, bench seating across the board for everybody and nobody has any personal space or collaboration areas where they can hold a meeting. So we've, we've designed, I would say, a very healthy balance between kind of the open light and bright, you know, allowing natural light in. All the offices are no longer on the outside where only, you know, a select few get the, the views and the natural, you know, the natural light. Everybody gets to participate in that. The, the, the offices, they are less but they're in the core of the building, but we've added a lot more collaboration rooms where there's huddle rooms where people can go and have a private meeting. We have design areas that allow us to leverage because we've also made a big transformation to go agile and a safe agile. So where we have you know teams anywhere from 50 people to 150 people doing planning sessions, they could break out. So we've designed the environments now that can allow for much more of a collaborative, innovative and agile uh, kind of operating model which is helping us as we go through this transformation as well. So people are thinking differently. When you walk in some of our facilities, you would think you're in a Google or an Amazon type environment because they just don't feel like that traditional, you know, um, insurance company feel and look. Uh, so we're, we're doing that for many reasons, you know, one to support the culture transformation we're making, but more importantly to help retain our talent, develop our talent and recruit new talent uh, into, the, into the environment. And now a quick break to hear from our sponsor. SAP Experience Management is helping businesses connect to their customers and then connect customers back to those businesses. Just listening to your customers is not enough. Businesses need to respond, react, and relate to them as individuals. Each one of them has his or her own likes, dislikes, and preferences. By combining experience data with operational data, SAP can help your business turn customer insights into actions that make their experiences better. SAP Experience Management helps you turn customers into fanatics and products into obsessions. Learn more at sap.com xm. The best on SAP. Now back to the show. Yeah, uh, Dean, those, the points you just made there about talent, culture, 
you know, in some ways for a long time, people would think, well, you know, what does the CIO have to do with those things? But it's, it's such a, a essential part of everything you do now, right? How do you bring the people in? How do you infuse them with this notion of, we're not here to just, you know, tinker with the infrastructure. We're here right. to, to create, you know, fantastic customer experiences. So what has that, uh, what's that journey been like for you? So in that area too, what we've been doing a lot internally, we've been creating a, a culture of innovation. And what I mean by that is, is we've allowed our employees to participate at all levels and we've created innovation challenges across the company. And it could be anything. And one of the key challenges we did, for example, is how can we improve overall customer experience? So it's that, it's that broad of a question. And we had about 5,000 of our employees participate in that challenge where they just, you know, they would recommend an idea. We put it in a system internally, you know, we call it Idea Hub, but it allows people to submit an idea, allows other people, if they like that concept or an idea, they can add to it. They can participate, they can comment. And then we actually go through a whole kind of voting process, a pairwise comparison. And then we actually do shark tanks and we give the employees an opportunity to present their concept and we'll, you know, we'll vote and then we'll take it to, a, you know, from a prototype to a minimum viable product. And in some cases it'll make it to, the hope is that it would make it to a, a production release of something that would either improve customer experience, maybe even a new product for that matter. Uh, so we're engaging our employees in the overall uh, innovation. And, we, and we've identified in kind of three, three categories that most companies do. You know, a core innovation is just anything you do today. Could you do it differently and make it better, faster, easier? Or an adjacent innovation is something that somebody else is doing that maybe we can adopt in our industry that it seems to be working well. And then finally, as most people think about innovations, that transformational type innovation, right? The invention of the wheel or fire for that matter. Uh, you know, we have those type of big ideas that take a little bit more and a little more investment in time. So that's been one way that we've been able to kind of infuse this, you know, concept within, the, within our employee base. And then at the same time, we've actually leveraged our partners. We have a very structured um, kind of partnership program with our vendors and, and, and we have a strategic vendors, our emerging vendors and we do the same thing with them we, we give them an innovation challenge and they come in and present their ideas and, and so on and we've actually had really good feedback from that and we've actually gotten thousands of ideas over the last few years from you know between our employees and our vendors and you know a subset of those will make it through to an actual minimum viable product and but it's a great opportunity for people to get engaged and feel you know part of the solution and creating a value add for the, for the company and our, and our consumers. And Dean, it, it sounds like, you know, with that sort of environment, people inside the company have their opportunities to showcase their best ideas, to be involved in that culture of innovation and your expectations to the tech community is not just, hey, I'm not just going to buy stuff from you. I want your ideas. I want to know what you think. I want you to participate in our mission. And exactly. I just laugh about it. There's a, a T-shirt I saw not long ago. Um, it said, uh, the beatings will continue until morale improves. So, uh, you know, there's an old way of looking at things. It sounds like you're really enjoying this embrace of a new way of driving innovation. Yeah, absolutely. And then, like I said, the environments create people to want to innovate as well. You know, we have these design dens, as I mentioned. We have these open area forums where people can see what's going on at any point. You know, we have the, we kind of have our epic walls where we have our programs that are up in the open for everybody. Anybody can walk by and see what's going on in the company and maybe just ask questions or maybe raise their hand and say, how can I get involved with that program? Or I have an idea for that program. Uh, so it's, it's, again, we've been at it for a couple of years. I think there's plenty, plenty more to still do, but it's, it's great to see the, the interaction. And 
it actually exceeded our expectations when we saw the participation in some of these challenges. Like I said, we've had thousands of people uh, participate in any one challenge uh, at a time. Yeah, well, great, great stuff. And I know Dean, uh, among the, the tech vendor partners that you have also expecting them to bring their best ideas forward to participate in this culture of innovation. And certainly AWS has been one of your key suppliers and you gave a big keynote talk there at the recent re-event Yes, event yeah. event. Yep. Tell us a little bit about the the role that AWS has played and how they've helped you move the company to where it is and to where it needs to be. Yeah, they've been actually a great partner. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, we do these innovation challenges with our partners, but we also have a, a pretty formal program and how we you know define who's going to be strategic, who's emerging, who's transactional. Uh, or value type partners. And the last two years, they've actually, we give out awards to as the most innovative partner, you know, the, the CIO award for the partner or the, or the uh, you know, just a, a, the partner of the year award. And, and they've actually won the last two years. Um, and because of the, they've been a really, and, I, and when I say a strategic partner, what we do with our, our vendors is we, we actually, what we do is a kind of a reverse EBC. So we share with them everything about us, what are our programs, what's important for us, before we go and do an EBC visit with them so they could be very targeted and tailored on where they think they can add value and help us you know, meet our goals and, and deliver our promises for our consumers. And what they've done with us over the last couple of years, we spent a year preparing the environment at Amazon, and then we took a, a production-first approach to migrate our, our platforms over there. And they, you know, they provided engineering, very senior architects and engineers to help us design a solution that would make sure, because we operate in a very highly regulated industry, that we were comfortable moving our, you know, our systems there and some of our, you know, customer-facing type systems there. And the one thing, like I said, they did was they provided us with very senior uh, leadership as well as technical architects to help us design these solutions. And when we did identify, as I mentioned in my reinvent speech, when we did identify gaps, because clearly there were, um, they really stepped up and helped us co-create products like Macy and Guard Duty uh, to make sure that we were going to be able to satisfy the, the legal, you know, the regulatory requirements that we had uh, to operate in. So they've been, they've been there the whole way with us, and they continue to be uh, working with us and, and addressing the, the gaps where we've had to put in other tools and process to fill those to make it more of a mainstream, generally available product for us. Dean, you know, as you described that, it's fascinating because I, I laugh sometimes when I see uh, some observers say that, well, you know, this this cloud infrastructure business, it's a race to the bottom and, you know, there's no end of it. It's just a low cost thing. When you're talking about the exact opposite, senior leadership, understanding your business, you know, almost like co-creating with you this new path forward into the future. And that that seems to be, that has to be the model right now for how the tech industry engages with business leaders like you. Absolutely. And, and the other reason why we went there too, you know, like I said earlier, you know, I didn't want to have my staff and resources focusing on the kind of the traditional infrastructure of, you know, the platform as a service type technologies. But more importantly, I wanted to be able to participate in the startup, you know, the startup world, because there's a lot of startups right now, you know, insure tech, you know, wasn't even a concept a few years ago. Now there's, you know, billions of dollars being invested in insure tech. Now we feel like we're on a platform and we're capable of testing and learning a lot faster than we have in the past uh, with a much less of an investment, but we have access to these new technologies and, and some of the, and 
just as importantly, the people that are, are developing these technologies, that we can participate in, in this potentially new ecosystem uh, in a much more effective way than if we had to try to bring them into our data center and follow all the, you know, the traditional kind of trying to onboarding a, a small company into an enterprise. Um, we, we can do that much more in a controlled fashion, but we could also do a lot more of them uh, much more expediently. Well, it sounds like just the same way inside the company with your offices and the office space, you've torn down the walls. You're doing that with your relationships as well, right? With strategic exactly. partners. Exactly. Better way to go. So Dean, two more things I wanted to check with you. Um, sure. Part of your role as CIO, the, that, that job, that, that function of the chief information officer has changed so much. Where do you see it today and where do you think it should be headed? Yeah, so I think, you know, just with my existing experience here and prior to coming here as well, I had kind of a CAO role when I was at Dow Jones. And I also had you know, real estate facilities, sourcing, procurement. Uh, here now I've picked up the HR operations and some of the, now all of the customer, customer service and, and operations. I think the CIO of today is, you know, like the, the traditional managing infrastructure, um, that's not gonna be an option anymore for CIOs. And I think as you, as you hear about all these digital transformations that are going on, and the terms used quite, quite often and broadly, but I think as a technology leader in companies today, you have to think much more broadly. You have to think about how do you enable business growth? How do you enable the customer experience journey that everybody's going on? And I've been fortunate enough to have these other responsibilities because I think they are 99% of it is technology enabled in some way, shape or form. So we've, we've been able to expe you know, speed up the process of adoption in many of these areas now because I don't have to convince my business partners because I am my business partner uh, in many cases. So you know, it, it's, it's actually allowed us to move a lot faster in adopting now AI and automation in some of the operations areas uh, because again, it's, it's, it's all under one kind, type of area of responsibility which helps facilitate the adoption because uh, I'm convinced. <laughs> Yeah, and that, that's, that, you, you're a fairly uh, key stakeholder there, as you said, you know, you are, are the business partner. I'm my own customer, uh, which is unique and sometimes, you know, I get into a debate with myself at times. <laughs> so, Dean, the last thing I wanted to check in with you on is, so, you, you know, throughout, you've touched on some of the really profound changes taking place in the insurance industry. So, look over the horizon a little bit. Where, where do you see that dead business headed? Yeah, so as I mentioned earlier about AI and automation, I think those are two areas that are going to, if you think about the, the whole life cycle of a kind of the insurance product, whether it's, you know, the purchase of the product and then the servicing of the product, the claims processing, the underwriting that takes place up front, and then the overall service delivery all the way through the life cycle, I think the entire process has room for automation, it, you know, a lot of what we do and a lot of the systems and processes were very manual for many years. Um, I think a lot of those we can provide much more fun, you know, much faster onboarding. Uh, the underwriting process could happen a lot faster. You know, today when you have to draw fluids and, and blood and so on, it takes weeks, uh, if not months sometimes for that process. I think with additional data points and, you know, additional data sources, we can do that much quicker. So we can make it a much more of a seamless and, and uh, process with a lot less touch points. So I think that the whole experience is going to get easier and more pleasurable and more delightful uh, than it is today. 
So I think there's a lot to, I think the next three to five years are really going to be exciting for the insurance industry. Yeah, and that's pretty wild, you know, what you said there. Delightful might not be a term that some people connect with, you know, the life insurance uh, business or the experiences we and consumers have, but it is possible. Right. It is possible. Absolutely. And that's what matters. Dean, before we go, is there anything that you wanted to be sure to mention that we haven't touched on? No, I think we covered a lot of areas. Uh, you know, again, I think the one area that I would like to just you know mention again, and, and you brought it up about the role of the CIO. I think you know now it's it's a, it's a great time to be a CIO. I think you know shifting from kind of the cost center view to an enabler and a value uh, proposition is really uh, where I think the, the role is going. And I think you'll see a lot more CIOs taking on a lot more responsibility um, in operations and in digital transformation and uh, customer experience. I think you're gonna see a lot, a lot of that growing throughout the industries. Fantastic. Well, Dean, this, this has been great. Your, your insights right. and the ideas here and the achievements are really remarkable. So thanks for taking the time to share those with us. No, thank you. My pleasure. It was great. And thanks also to all of you for watching here at Cloud Wars Live is where we're exploring this digital revolution that's taking place. You heard some great examples of it here from Dean at Guardian Life. And uh, please share your feedback with me at BobEvansPA at gmail.com. Dean, thanks again. It was great to have you. And I hope uh, all of you folks will have a chance to come back next time.